Um, we thought it wise to cancel the, the, the beach trip, mainly because we called, we called, what was it? We called the city and said, do you have anything going on that day? And they're like, no, we don't. Um, and then we found out that the Vans Open is happening. There's going to be like 100,000 people down there. So we called them back. We're like, uh, you said nothing's happening. And they're like, yeah, it's not on our beach. It's on the state beach. We're like, where's that? And they're like, right next door. So luckily they're letting us postpone it. So we're going to postpone it um, for a few weeks. And we'll keep you posted on where we're going to go. But we thought it wise. And which is really kind of why, you know, why Proverbs at all, right? Wise. Because... Because here's the thing, the reason why we talk about Proverbs is because the Bible doesn't describe how life ought to be, but the Bible describes how life actually is, right? And this is, this is why Proverbs is so important, because it really speaks into what wisdom is. So what is wisdom? Wisdom doesn't really, like wisdom is not a theory, right? It doesn't just theorize, it actually pays attention to the realities built into us by God, our creator, and humbly gives in to God's design. And it also recognizes the reality around us. So here's the thing about wisdom. No matter what's going on in your life, wisdom can contextualize and become something real in your life and help you live the life that you live. And I know we don't all live the same lives. We all live different lives, have different things, different issues. That's fine. Wisdom can speak into all of that. And that's why it's just incredible. But, but what gets me about these particular passages, especially especially Proverbs 1 through chapter 9, but often these texts that we're going to deal with today, there is this urgency. Now, you can ask why the urgency, right? The reason why there's this urgency is that it, we, we feel it kind of overwhelming. It speaks to us, this urgency. God wants us to be wise because he wants us to live life absolutely abundantly. And for him, it's present. It's real. He wants us to move into that. And what we have a tendency to do is take a look at Proverbs and be like, oh, there's probably some good stuff for me there. I'd like my life to work a little better. But that is not what this book is for. What this book is for is the transformation of your life into living differently completely. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 20 through 33, 13 verses, and it's broken up into three different parts. And these parts tell us what wisdom does to us and for us. So the first two verses talk about how wisdom is demanding, and we'll get to that. And then the second nine verses speak to how wisdom is actually dangerous for us and to not have it as dangerous as well. And then verses 32 and 33, it talks about how wisdom is our only safety. It's kind of the outline of what we're about to do. But let's start where Scripture does. Wisdom is demanding. And you may wonder, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll start like this. Wisdom shouts in the streets. Now, remember, when we talk about wisdom in Proverbs, it's always going to show up in the feminine, and, right? And if you've lived any time in your life, you know that wisdom, by and large, shows up in the feminine parts of your life, like your girlfriend or wife. That's where the wisdom comes from. I thought I would get an amen from that from the women, but I guess, I guess it should have come from the guys, but we're not so wise. Um, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in public. So, um, so this is important. But this is like a street preacher. Have any of you been to like a big city, been to New York or Boston or something like that, and ever encountered a street preacher? They're, they're demanding is a good word. They're, it's frightening. They stand up literally on a soapbox. They'll stand up and you walk by and they'll be like, you, God's talking to you. And you're like, me. And most people like shy away from it, right? They don't want. But I'm a preacher. I'm in. Like, I love it when they're like, hey, I'm like, yes, yes, 
go, do you know you're going to hell? I'm like, maybe. I don't know. Keep going. What do we got? I love it. It's fascinating to me. I won't get in an argument. I'm not crazy, but I like to, I like to enjoy it. And what's fun is when you start to walk away, they're like, come back here. And so I'll go, I'll cut just a couple times just to make them feel better. Because, you know, it's a hard job. But listen, it's like they're scolding you, right? They're, they're, they're warning you. They're demanding that you listen. It's not very ladylike. If wisdom is a woman, it doesn't sound very ladylike. But this is what's happening. And this is the urgency in which you want to understand this, these texts coming at you. It says, then she calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gates. So this is a group of people who are not in church. Wisdom is not just for church. Church. I mean, it's great that you come here and you get some wisdom, but the truth is, if wisdom doesn't cost you outside of this building, then what is it even for? You need wisdom, not just religious wisdom to live your life in church. You need wisdom to live your life all over. And so wisdom is in the busiest parts of the city, by the city gates, by the main street, and she's yelling at them, and she is incredibly anxious because she's demanding that they listen. Because it's important that they listen. Why? Because wisdom is dangerous. Wisdom is dangerous, and there's two kinds of danger. Well, there's probably more than two kinds of danger, but for our purposes today, there's two kinds of dangers that we're going to talk about, right? One is fire, and one is poison. Now, poison can essentially only be life-threatening, but fire can be helpful. And wisdom is like fire. It can burn you, or it can purify you. Poison can only kill you. Wisdom can make you stronger. Poison always kills. God's wisdom is fire, and our folly, our own counsel, often is poison for us. And at this point, wisdom takes a turn. Like, wisdom's been demanding, but now wisdom's going to get mad for a moment. And so wisdom says this, how long, you simpletons? Will you listen, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Now, listen, none of us say we hate knowledge, right? None of us are going to go, no, I don't want to learn anything. I know everything I need to know. That's not how we're going to have that conversation with God. However, we do have that conversation in certain ways. In fact, in fact, um, on, on this trip this summer, I was always checking in with my kids, and I was like, hey, are you guys good? Are you guys good? And they'd be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And that was good to use that, that, that you know, back and forth so I can understand how they're doing. They're not too hot. They're drinking enough water and all that sort of thing. But it morphed into something else. It morphed from, yeah, we're good, to, hey, man, I need you to eat that broccoli. And they'd be like, I'm good. And I was like, what? No, I'm good. Like, I'm good. None of us say we hate knowledge. But we will say, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm complacent, right? And then he uses this term mocker or scoffer as sometimes it's translated, right? And what is a scoffer? A scoffer is, is somebody who doesn't just hate knowledge but will, will be a little bit subversive with it. They're a calculating person, a hardened person, sometimes an aggressive person. Um, they may often seem successful in your life, but they'll also slit your throat, you know, a fool, which he talks about in the last, last text, is uh, a fool is, is stubborn and just not all that bright. But, but a scoffer, that's somebody who knows and is not interested. 
Then it says in verse 23, come and listen. And some texts say, turn at my reproof. Come listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. And there's this urgency, right? And care that we hear in the tone of voice in these texts. God seems to be saying, listen, I may not agree with everything, but I need you to know that I'm here for you and I want you to turn. This concept of turning, it's huge. Conversion is to turn around and come home. And so he's saying, listen, you seem to hate knowledge. You seem to love being simple, but, but I'm right here for you. I need you to turn around. I need you to listen to what I'm saying. And this is important because a turn is, an, is a decision, right? A turn is a decision. You choose to be wise. You decide to listen to the counsel of God. If you don't, I mean, we don't just fall into wisdom, right? Have you ever met somebody who was like, well, I didn't really get it, and then all of a sudden I understood it. There's no, listen, if that were the case, math would have been a whole different experience for me in school. I would have been like, hey, I don't know. I didn't know yesterday. Now I know it. We don't fall into wisdom. We choose. We choose to turn into wisdom, right? And then he says this. He goes on and he pushes a little further. Wisdom pulls on. She says, I call you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. It seems to show that we are seriously being sought after by God. We are being chased and we are being asked to turn, but we're not paying attention anymore. By the way, it's not that we don't hear. I, you know, I, when I was younger, I used to play in a, a rock band and I, you know, I hurt my ears pretty sure. I can't hear very well. And like if I'm in a room with a, full, a room full of people, I have a hard time differentiating between sounds. And like it'll happen, I'll, I'll be walking in front of my kids and they'll be like, dad, 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 I won't hear them at all. And then my youngest always goes, Tim, hey, Tim. I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, why were you ignoring us? I was like, oh, I wasn't ignoring you. I didn't hear you. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is somebody who hears but ignores. And it says in the next verse, you ignored my advice and rejected the correction that I offered. And God seems utterly distraught here. Why don't you listen? I'm here. I mean, listen, if God is reaching out to you, why are you not interested? So let me ask you a practical question. When has God reached out to you and you have not listened? Has this ever happened? I mean, there's so many examples of people not listening, hearing, but not listening in Scripture. And God moving on to the next person or group, which we'll talk about in a bit. You see, our, our community can be like that if we don't listen. Our church can be like that. Our denomination can be like that. If we become people who hear the Word of God, but then go, you know what? I'm good. I got it. I don't need the broccoli. I'm good. I've sorted this all out. We can become a group of people that God can't use anymore because we are not listening to what God has to say to us and for us. And if that happens, we got problems. So let's just ask the practical question. How does God, how, how do you know that God is reaching out to you? So what are the characteristics of God reaching out? I've got a few of them here. First is this. When God reaches out, um, you will have very little peace. And some of you know what I'm talking about. When, when there's something going on in your heart, it's being harassed a little bit. There's this like low hum, this nagging uncomfortability. I can see some of you have been like, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. Right? And, and, and it's just, you know, it's just that low feeling of, of I, know this, I know it's not right, but I can't, I can't get rid of it. If that's what you live with every single day, God's trying to tell you something. Like, you should stop and pay attention to that. Um, because, because the longer it goes, the less you hear it. The problem is we often don't listen to it because when God reaches out, there'll be something that you have to give up. And that's true. Listen, you can't carry a cross on all your baggage at the same time. you got to drop that stuff and carry the cross. Crosses are heavy, 
right? Crowds are heavy, and to carry them, you need to pay full attention. And that's the problem, is that when God reaches out, there will be something you have to give up, and we often don't want to give things up. There's always stuff to gain when we follow God, too, and we listen to his word. But the problem is we don't always see that gain immediately. All we see is what we have to drop. And we just don't want to drop stuff, you know? The third characteristic of when God reaches out is, is something you need to listen to because when God reaches out, it's for a short time. There's a limited amount of time when God reaches out. There are stories in Scripture of God reaching out to somebody, that person not being interested, and God moving on to the next person, right? That can happen to a community, too. The moment we say we're good with God, God needs to find a group of people that are interested in listening to Him. So we may have all the trappings of religion. We may have all the trappings of faith. We may have all the things we want, but we don't have obedience and we don't have ears to hear. And God, what's he going to do with us? Right? It's going to be for a short time. God asks for you, but he can use others. And we should think about that. See, here's the problem. When we decide not to listen to that low hum, when we decide not to listen to the harassment that's happening in our hearts, and I know that's a tough word, so maybe it's not the best word to use, but, but God's continual prodding, when we decide not to listen to that, when we decide not to listen to God reaching out to us, you know, he, he backs off because that's what he does. You know who else backs off? Satan. Satan backs off because he knows, listen, you're not going to do anything for the kingdom. I don't need to bother with this person. He's got a lot to do. There's a lot of people in the world. So if your heart's not being harassed, you're also probably not being tempted. You're good. You think that not being tempted means everything's okay. Not being tempted means you're worthless to Satan because you become worthless to God. I hope you hear that. Because if you're, if, if you're living your life in just, you know, quietness and you think I've arrived, you're in the darkest place on the planet. Because when we listen to God, all of a sudden Satan wakes up and goes, I need, to, I need to derail what's happening here. This is a person who's growing in grace. They're growing in wisdom. They're growing. They're going to be a real threat to the empire I'm trying to build here. And then he goes, oh, we need to redouble our efforts on this person. Right? But if Satan's like, listen, don't worry about it. They're fine. They're good. We're good. Let's go bother somebody else. You know you're in trouble. So you need to check both sides of that equation. Because if you don't, Man, you can live your life quietly thinking everything's fine and come to the end of your life. And God goes, listen, I left a long time ago because you weren't interested. You heard me. I know you heard me. I can tell that you heard me. You just weren't interested in turning around. I wasn't going to make you because that's not what I do. But then the author comes to these words, and we're going to struggle with these words. It's okay. It's okay to feel this way. It says, um, because this is tough, it says, so I will laugh when you are in trouble. Right? I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. And we don't like to think of God doing that, and I understand that, right? We don't like to think of God all of a sudden kind of getting offended and saying what he's saying. But, but what I want you to understand is that this is not God giggling at you. This is kind of laughing at the futility of it all because he knew what was going to happen. Right? I, had a, I had this friend who... Um, I may have told this story before. I apologize if I had, but he, I was trying to teach him how to surf, and he's like, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good athlete. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I like, I could do board sports. I snowboard, right? I skateboard, so I'm good, and I was like, oh, okay, and I was like, I don't know if you noticed there's an ocean out there, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, that makes it a little bit different, and he's like, no, I, listen, I'm, I'm a good athlete. I was like, perfect. Let's go. 
So put on our wetsuits, jump in the water. I paddle out, get out, take a few waves. He's just kind of struggling to get past the waves because, you know, it's hard. And um, after about 45 minutes, he finally, like, ditches the board and just swims through the water and um, pulls the board up. And it was on a leash. She pulled the board up and kind of sat there and is just exhausted. And he's like, man, that's hard. And what did I do? I laughed at the futility of it all. (laughs) I wasn't laughing because he was hurting. I was laughing at what did you think was going to happen? Of course that's going to happen. You don't know what you're doing. Why did you think you didn't need counsel? Well, is that the way that we live our lives? He continues, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. Not because he's not there. We won't find him because we don't know where to look anymore. In their panic, they miss what is in front of them. Have you ever lost your keys when you really need to go somewhere? No, I mean, seriously, when you're like, we are late, we got to go, and you walk outside, and you're like, no, 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 no. So you run back inside, and you look around in a panic like crazy. Have you ever done that? You know you have, right? And then there's somebody who has a cooler head who comes in the room, and you're like, I can't find my keys. They're like, they're literally right there. And you're like, what? It's because you lived your life in such a panic that you couldn't see what was right in front of you. Well, isn't this what God is saying? For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. C.S. Lewis says it really well. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. There's only two kinds of people. Are you listening to God or reaching out to you or not? Because in the text it says, they rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. And listen, we've all got that friend who, who asks you for advice, and you know absolutely they're not going to listen to you, right? Don't look at them right now. Um, in, in 1030, there's a whole group of ladies sitting in the front, and I said it, and three of them looked at one girl. And I, was like, I didn't call it out because I, I thought it was embarrassing, but they were all like, like, man, that girl's got a problem. Uh, we all have that friend, right, who's like, hey, man, I need some advice. And you're like, uh, okay. And like, what do you think I should do in this situation? And you're like, well, you should do this. Because it's obvious to you, right? It's so obvious. You're like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. They're like, okay. And then they exactly go and do it. We all know that person, right? Well, those are the kind of people that we are. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. That will kill you. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Then scripture is harsh. It says, therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. In the end, doing your own will allows for the fruits of that will to be established and experienced in your life, right? We, we have a tendency to think that our life should be just forcing God into a miracle and then coming and saving us. When the whole time he's standing on the road going, you know, if you go that way, the bridge is out. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. He's like, no, really, the bridge is out. It's not there anymore. And you're like, yeah, I understand that, but I think I'd rather do it myself. And so you go to the end and you get to the bridge and you're going over the bridge and you're like, Lord, where were you? And he's like, seriously, I was a mile away telling you not to go down that road. We like to force God into a miracle, when the miracle is that he wanted to stop you from it from the very beginning. But for some reason, we're hard-headed. And listen, 
Sometimes we make our own beds, and so sometimes we have to lie in them. Because God is not going to force himself on you. Now, it sounds like God moves away and doesn't ever come back. That's never true. In fact, God moves away simply to give you space to work out your own will. He doesn't move away and abandon you. God would never do that. But he's going to respect your space. All right. My son's not here. My 12-year-old, I love him. He's an amazing kid. He's got a space issue. He stands too close to me. No, he does. Like, we'll be somewhere, and he'll come walking, and he'll stand real close to me, which is sweet and creepy. And so I'm like, hey, man, like, stand over there. And he's like, and I don't know why. I think he just wants to be involved in every conversation. Like, literally today, I was in the back there, and I leaned forward to talk to Sam Lenark. So I leaned, I leaned forward to talk to him, and Isaac goes, I'm like, what? You're not in this conversation. Listen, God gives us the space to do our own. I, don't tell him I said that. I just felt like I needed to get that out. Oh. Um, God gives us our own space to do our own will, but he's always within an arm's reach. The problem is the more we do our own will, the less we keep looking for him. And this is why at the end of this text, we understand that wisdom is our only safety. Right? In the end, there is no safe harbor before the wisdom of God. Proverbs 1.32, for simpletons turn away from me, by the way, to death, it's the only outcome, because it's poison, right? Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. I'm good. I don't need it anymore. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Do you notice the contrast? Do you notice the contrast? Fools are destroyed by their own decisions, but those who listen will live untroubled. They will live abundant lives, because the truth is this, complacency is a counterfeit comfort. Complacency makes you think things are okay when they're not. Simply ignoring a problem has never made that problem go away. In fact, by and large, it makes it grow and morph into something much bigger than it was before. Am I right? Yeah, we all know this because we've all lived that way. We've all gone, listen, I'm good. I just won't deal with it. I'm okay. I'm not going to worry about it. And then two months later, we're like, why is this such a problem? This is taking over my whole life. It's taking over my whole psyche, my whole heart. It's taking over everything. It's because you decided to be complacent rather than follow wisdom. So there's only one question today. Have you become complacent? Are you living a, a life that isn't, isn't being tempted by anything necessarily evil, but at the same time, stop listening to God a while ago. Because if that's where you're living your life, you're in a really dangerous place. You're in a place where, where God wants to use you, but you're not interested, and Satan has no interest in you at all, which may seem like a good thing, but you know what? The way we live our lives, the, the way we follow God's will in our lives, the way we're listening to his wisdom should be annoying Satan like crazy because he knows you are a big threat to what he's trying to build in, his, in this world. You know, we're, we're Christians. We like to talk about God a lot. We don't talk about Satan a lot, and that's okay. He doesn't need a lot of airtime. But he is trying to derail you but we make his job easy when we stop listening, when we stop thinking that God's going to reach out to us anymore, when we start saying to him, I'm good, I don't need you. Complacency is a problem. 
You know, we, we, we recognize it when it sounds like lukewarmness, but it doesn't even have to be that, right? It just has to be us going, I think I got this. We don't hate knowledge. We don't hate wisdom. None of us would ever say that. But then we act like it in the way that we don't accept the wisdom of God and the will of God in our lives. In fact, we don't even seek it out anymore because it's so much easier to say, I think I got this. And remember, when God recognizes that in your heart you're not interested, he goes, okay, all right, you do your thing. Your will be done. I've got somebody over here who's going to listen to do what I needed you to do, but, but they're going to do it because you decided you're good, so they're going to do it. I never want to be that person. I never want my church to be that church that's willing to let God give us space because we got this. We don't got this. We are falling and failing through life, and I desperately need the wisdom of God to make every decision that I make every single day, and we as a community do too. To think that we've sorted it all out because we do a few things well is not only the height of arrogance, it is, it is the devil's deception. And that's not where I choose to live. So you got to search your hearts. If, if you become complacent, you need to ask God to, to rev up the engine a little bit. To make that low hum a little higher frequency. Something that you can't ignore anymore so that you can become everything that God wants you to be and your life can be as abundant as he has promised it will be if we follow him and listen to him. Do you have ears? Can you hear? This is what we're called to. We're called to this individually and we're called to this as a community. So we need to be a community that listens. So listen, even as we sing, listen to what God is saying to you and the wisdom that he wants to instill in your life and in your heart. Let's bow our heads. God of grace, God of mercy, God of wisdom, may we accept it. May we drink it in. May you fill us up and may it overflow. Lord, never let us become comfortable with that nagging uncomfortability, with that low hum. Lord, let us Move on it. Create action in us. And Lord, continue to grow us in wisdom because we need it. We all need it. We are not good. We're only good in you. So be with us, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.